Good morning. Welcome to Arise Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here with us today. And we are looking forward to praising God together this morning. This is not how we expected to be celebrating our anniversary Sunday, but I'm so thankful that God is still faithful. And here we are three years after the start of our church, and God is blessing, God is providing, and our church continues to go forward by faith. I was reading this week the song, Living by Faith. Maybe you know that song, and I was thankful for that song, thankful for the truth that's in it. And I read this week that that song was written during the 1918 uh, Spanish flu pandemic. Thankful that people back during that time, Christians, said we can continue to live by faith. And as we read throughout history and as we read the Word of God, we know that God is faithful. And we are looking forward to what God will do and what He will continue to do. And we are praising God for what He has already done so far in our church. Today we have some special things for you. A few of our folks have sent in some videos from their families and some of the things they're going on are going on at their house right now. If you'd like to send one of those in, we're going to incorporate some of those more into the coming weeks as we're online here at least a little bit longer. We are praying, of course, we'll be back here in person very soon. But glad that you're here with us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our service today. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for three years at Arise Baptist Church. Thank you for the people that have been saved. Thank you for the lives that have been changed. Thank you for the people that have been encouraged and brought together into fellowship one with another and with you. Lord, thank you for the missionaries that have been supported. Thank you now for a new church that we're helping to start. Thank you for all that you provided this past week and helping to be able to close on the building for New Life Baptist Church and the fact that they're able to continue to move forward by faith themselves. We pray that even in very short order, we'll be praising you for all that you've done with this new church plant. Thank you for the faithfulness of our people in continuing to give and support the ministry here. Lord, we have so much to thank you for. And as we come to you now, as we worship you in song, as we worship you in our response to your word, Lord, help us to have our hearts and minds focused on you today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So thankful for our church and all the people that make up this body here. And God continues to build his church. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we are definitely seeing that during this time as we continue to go forward for him. Freddie just read to you a wonderful, encouraging psalm, Psalm 27. And I hope that you were listening and, and paying attention and, and challenged by the thought there at the end of the psalm that encourages us and challenges us to wait on the Lord. To wait on the Lord. That idea of waiting on Him expectantly to see Him work and, and to do His thing in His time. It's not waiting in the sense of we're standing around with nothing to do, but rather we're waiting expectantly for our Lord to work, for our Master to speak, to be able to move and to obey and to serve Him in, in whatever way. In fact, that service goes even while we're here, not sure what's next and what's going to happen, but we can continue to serve God as we worship Him, as we read His Word, as we pray, as we share the gospel with others, as we continue to encourage our families and the people around us, as you make phone calls and send texts and emails and other means of communication to our church family and be an encouragement, a blessing to them. There are so many ways that we can continue to go forward in serving the Lord together. And I hope that you're doing that. hope that you're encouraging others as well. I'm so excited this morning to be back in the book of Colossians. Last Sunday, as it was Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we spoke about the, and looked at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for us in our salvation. And we focused on that in verses 1 through 4 of Colossians chapter 3. But today, we're moving a little further into chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. 
See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes all the difference for our salvation. But it's also the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that we are risen with Him that gives us the ability or allows us to grow in our sanctification. Salvation is once for all. When we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, our sins are forgiven. They're washed away. It's made whiter than snow. It's put as far as the east is from the, from the west. God chooses to remember our sins no more. But sanctification is a process. Sanctification is something that happens over time as we grow to be more like Jesus Christ, as we are conformed to the image of the one who created us and saved us. Now as a believer, I am looking forward to what we call glorification. That day when Jesus comes back for His own and He takes us home to heaven to be with Him. And we are glorified with Him. We have a glorified body. Not this body with the aches and pains and struggles that will die someday, but a body that will live forever as we are with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in heaven. We're looking forward to that process of glorification or, or that moment of glorification, but right now we live, if you're a Christian, in the time of being sanctified. And everything that goes on around us, everything that God shows us from His Word, God can use in our lives to sanctify us, to prepare us, to set us apart for His service and for His use. Last week, as we looked at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know that as He, was, uh, as he came back to life, He left that grave behind. Those grave clothes came off and He, he rose triumphant. I want us to think of that process this morning, that idea of taking off the grave clothes. That's the title of the message this morning. It's time to take off the grave clothes. While we may be saved and have new life in Christ, it's time for us as believers to take off those grave clothes, that process of being sanctified. It's time to live for Christ. And what better time than today, than right now, to be a light, to make a difference, to stand boldly for Jesus Christ in the world that we live in today. Let's take our Bibles and, and turn to Colossians chapter 3. I want you to read with me Colossians chapter 3 and beginning in verse 5 and we'll go down through verse 11. The Bible says this, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry. I'll go back and explain what those words mean here in just a moment. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. As we've been studying through the book of Colossians, we've talked about this idea of walking worthy. That's our theme for this year, that we would walk worthy of Christ. One of the ways that we walk worthy, if you were here in the building with me, you would know that we have banners on the walls that explain some of these ideas. But we bear fruit. That's spiritual change in our life as, as we make a difference for Christ, as Christ has made a difference in us. We, we bear spiritual fruit, but part of what we do or how we do that is by growing in the knowledge of God, growing in our personal relationship with God so that we would know Him better. And so if we're going to grow in the knowledge of God, it, that's part of what it's talking about here in chapter 3 is we grow to be more like Jesus Christ. Do you remember the story when Jesus 
brought Lazarus back from the dead. When he had, had gone to uh, visit Mary and Martha after they had said, please come, our brother is sick. And Jesus knew everything that was going on because Jesus is God. And Jesus knew that he, he purposefully delayed his coming and he allowed Lazarus to die. I mean, imagine that, uh, allowing somebody to die. Why would God do that? Because God's ways are always best. Because God always knows what he's doing and God's plans are always the best plans for us and for him. Now, it didn't seem that way at the time. In fact, when Jesus arrived there uh, to visit Mary and Martha, they both came out to him and, and they asked him, Lord, why didn't you come sooner? Lord, if you had come, you could have healed our brother. And Jesus, of course, says to them, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he asked them the question, Believest thou this? Now, of course, they, well, of course we believe. And yet I think as Christians today, sometimes we say, well, yes, Lord, we believe. But do we believe Him enough to actually trust Him to accomplish His plan? As Jesus then, He, he went to the place where Lazarus had been buried and, and He said, roll the stone away and, and Lazarus come forth. A lot of the people were afraid to do this. They said, Lord, He, he stinks. He, he's been in the grave for these many days. But they did, they obeyed, they rolled the stone away, and, and Lazarus came out. He was alive. Jesus had made him alive. He'd brought him back to life. But do you remember something about Lazarus when he first came out of that grave? What was he wearing? Well, the Bible tells us he, he was wrapped up in his grave clothes. And Jesus commanded them, he said, loose him, T take those grave clothes off of him. You see, a man who is alive no longer needs to have those grave clothes on. It's time to take off the grave clothes. And if Christ has made you alive, if you have been saved, if your sins have been forgiven, it's time to put off the old man. It's time to take off those grave clothes. And it's time to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. I think you'll see that idea here in Colossians chapter 3 as we go through this this morning. Now think about it. Imagine a person who was alive, who had previously been dead, walking around wearing their grave clothes. We would be repulsed by that, wouldn't we? Those dirty, filthy rags still being wrapped around an individual who is alive. We would say, those clothes don't make any sense for that person to be wearing. They ought to wear something different. Why? Because they're not dead anymore. They're alive. Now, it's impossible for somebody who's never trusted Christ as their Savior to take off those grave clothes. Now, some people will try. And some people try very hard. They think that salvation is just a, a matter of trying to do better or turning over a new leaf. Having, you know, I'm just going to kind of change my attitude and change my focus on things. But salvation isn't just me trying to change. In fact, the Bible tells us, the book of Isaiah, that I can't do that. The Bible says that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And if you go over to Romans chapter 3, the, the Bible speaks about the impossibility of this. Let, let me turn over there. Romans chapter 3. The Bible says in, in verse number 19, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Notice verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, your, your good works can't save you. Do, keeping the law can't save you. Your righteousnesses are as 
filthy rags. So uh, it's very important as we get into this understanding of sanctification or spiritual growth in Christ that this is not something that can be done in our own strength. This is not something that can be done apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ. So in this passage in Colossians 3, as he's talking about this spiritual change and putting off these old ways, the the grave clothes, so to speak, and putting on new things, this is something that can be only done by a believer and done in the strength of Jesus Christ. And the fact that He rose from the grave, we must be in Him and risen with Christ for this to take place in our lives. Now, if you are risen with Christ, this passage is very clear how you ought to be living. Imagine how sad it must make our Lord to see people that He has redeemed, that have been saved, that are now alive, to still be walking around wearing those old grave clothes. Think about a heavenly father, a father as he cares for his children. Father doesn't want to see his children walking around in in dirty rags. No, a father wants to see his children dressed. Dressed as, as one of his children, representing that he's part of his family. If one of my children was walking around today and I said, Oh, what are they wearing? Those clothes are dirty. Those clothes are filthy. It's time to take those clothes off and get them some clean clothes. Get them some new clothes. Get, get some, th- some things because they are my children and I want them to have the best. And my children also represent me and I want them to represent me well. You see here in Colossians chapter 3, he's speaking to the believer. And he's telling us there's some things we need to put off. And there's some things that we need to put on. Many Christians today are living for the world. But they're clinging to Christ for their salvation. Their salvation to to many is nothing more than just a get-out-of-jail-free card. They think it's their license to continue to live for the pleasures and the things of this world. And not for their Savior who bought them with a price. His own blood shed for their sin. How it must grieve the Holy Spirit of God that the Bible tells us indwells the believer. To to have to dwell beside the sins of the flesh and the sins of the mind and the sins of the tongue that inhabit so many believers. Because many Christians today are not serious about letting God continue the process of change in their lives. I'm not talking about being saved over and over again today. We're talking about the process of sanctification, of continually being conformed or changed into the image of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we have forgiveness for all sin. And in Christ, we can walk with Him and allow Him to change us, to change our habits, to change our actions, to change our attitudes, to be more like Jesus Christ. It's time to take off the grave clothes. As we look through these sins that are listed in verses 5 and and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9, we see sins of the mind, right? Sins where people are, are thinking the wrong way. We see sins of the body, Sins where people are doing things with their body that they shouldn't be doing. We see sins of the mouth. Sins of people who are are doing things, saying things that they shouldn't be saying. Notice some of these with me. He tells us in verse 5 to mortify. That means to put to death, to take off, to put to death those members of the flesh, the things of this earth. What are they? Fornication. Using my body to do something that God didn't intend for it to intend for it to be done with. You see, God has a plan for how a, a relationship between people should work, and even how the physical relationship should work. And His plan is for that to function between one man and one woman within the boundaries of marriage. 
See, it's a good thing. God created it, and, and He made it for His purpose, and He made it for His glory, and He made it even for our enjoyment, our pleasure. But to take what God has done and to use it for our own purposes outside of the boundaries that God has created it for, that is a wicked life that is living after the desires of the flesh. He lists fornication. He lists uncleanness. This is any, 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 even a broader sense of just perverse living and sin. And then he says, inordinate affection. Just this lustful living after, I, I just have to have whatever I want, whatever I please, to, to, to please my mind, to please my body. He talks about evil concupiscence. These are illicit cravings. Folks, these are natural. These are the things of the flesh. But they're sin. In fact, the, he clarifies this in verse 6 when he says, For which things sake? For these things, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. God judges sinners. People are sent to hell for this kind of sin. For, so for someone who has been risen with Christ, it is no longer acceptable to live this way anymore. It's time to take off the grave clothes. He continues on though, he says, and covetousness. Covetousness. This is just wanting and desiring things that God hasn't already given me. Notice he even clarifies that. He says, which is idolatry. Now people who believe in Christ, they Often they don't want to think of themselves as idol worshipers. And yet he's very clear. He's not speaking to the unsaved. He's speaking to believers. And he says believers who are worshiping things or seeking after satisfaction in things beyond what Christ has given them, they are idolaters. It is idolatry to seek after something else to bring satisfaction to me beyond what Christ has given me in salvation and through the process of sanctification and the hope in eternal glorification someday. God has given us everything in His Word that we need. And so to try to find fulfillment in something else is idolatry. It literally means we've taken something else and we've elevated up to a position equal to or above Jesus Christ. Now many people say, well, hey, hang on, I, I haven't done that. Folks, if you are alive in Christ, then he says, put these things to death. Remove these things. Cut them off. Cut them out of your life. Because a person who's alive shouldn't be walking around dressed in the same thing that a dead person would wear. It's time to take off the grave clothes. He even says in verse 7, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. These are things you used to do in the past. So stop doing these things. He transitions from just talking about putting those things to death to then in verse 8. But now you also put off all these, like taking off a, a dirty shirt, taking off dirty clothes. Oh, now we have a list of sins of the mouth, anger, wrath. Anger is that, that smoldering, underlying, just I'm angry, I'm upset with somebody else. Wrath are those moments of just lashing out at somebody else because of something they've done to me. He says, put those off. If your life is marked, if there's this undertone of anger about you and the way that you live, that's not the joy of the Lord. If you are prone to lashing out and, and, and losing your temper, that's wrath. He says to put that off. Malice. Those, that is that attitude of, I am going to get them back. I'm going to do something to them. I, I'm going to hurt them because they hurt me. That's carrying malice around in your heart. Oh, blasphemy. Blasphemy. 
say, well, we don't, I, I, I wouldn't blaspheme. You know, in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, this is what the religious leaders claimed, that they would put somebody to death for blasphemy. Why? Because to speak out against a holy God, to take His name in vain, to use it in a way that is not giving glory to Him, that's blasphemy. And He even then says, filthy communication. He says, put all these things away. Oh, in verse 9, lie not one to another. How easy it is to try to shade the truth, to, to spin the truth, to try to only tell part of the truth, the part that makes us look good. He says, lie not one to another. As a believer in Christ, I'm now part of the body of Christ. And so if I'm lying to my brother, I'm, I'm part of him and he's part of me. We're part of the same body. Oh, these are the ways of the old man. These are like the grave clothes wrapped around that person. And if you're alive in Christ, it's time to take those grave clothes off, to put them off and to walk in obedience and newness of life. Ephesians 4 verse 25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Truthfulness is essential in followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ Himself is the truth. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So to walk in Christ means that I am walking in truthfulness. And to be a liar, to be untruthful, is not to walk after Christ. It's to walk after darkness. It's to say, if you're a Christian, I'm a believer, but I'm living like I'm still dead. Folks, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. When I worked um, while I was going through seminary, I, I had a job going around to churches and Christian schools, and I was selling copy machines. Yes, I was a salesman. Now, a salesman is, is trying to get people to buy their product. I'm thankful that, biblically speaking, as a pastor, I don't have to be a salesman anymore. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a salesman. If you're selling a product and you're doing it honestly, and you're presenting that product to somebody else to buy it, nothing wrong with that. But as a pastor, I don't have to be a salesman. In fact, if I'm trying to convince people in a way that's not right to come to Christ, if I'm trying to sell them on the Lord, I'm going about it the wrong way. Instead, it's my responsibility just to present the truth and to present it in a clear way and to present it in a way and allow God to take that truth and to work it into their hearts. I want to present it clearly. I want to present it passionately. I want to present it in a way that's inviting to others. But one of the things I found as I went around to all these churches and Christian schools and other nonprofit organizations that there were many of those so-called churches where people were dishonest. They would tell you one thing and then do something else. They would promise you something and then not follow through. In fact, some of the so-called Christians that I was were my clients behave no better than the unsaved atheists and other people that I worked with. In fact, it was so bad that a number of the other sales reps that worked in the office with me told me, I will never go to a church because I've tried to sell enough things to churches and I've been lied to so many times by churches that I don't believe anything that they have to say. And if they would lie to me about their business, then I don't believe what they have to say from the pulpit. What a sad testimony that is. Why? Because so-called Christians are liars. Folks, to tell things that are not true hurts you. It hurts your brothers in Christ. And it hurts lost people and causes them to turn away from the Lord. You see, for a person who's alive to walk around still wearing their dead clothes, 
This doesn't speak well to their life. For a person who's been changed in Christ to be made new, to be given eternal life, to walk around as though they still want to hang on, to have, have one foot in the grave, still want to hang on to those dirty old things of the past, this does not speak well to the power of God to change lives. But here's the thing that happens many times. When a person accepts Christ as their Savior, when they are saved, their friends, their family, even Satan himself will come along and try to keep them from ever growing. There's a, there's a book that was written quite a few years ago now by a man named C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. And he's writing from the perspective of, uh, on the negative side. One demon writing to another demon about his responsibility to tempt and to keep somebody from doing right. And, and this younger apprentice demon writes and he says, I, I think I've failed because the person I was responsible for accepted Christ. They got saved. And the older uh, demon writes back and he says, oh, don't worry. In fact, if you can keep that person uh, you know, saying that they're a Christian, but living like they're not a Christian, you can probably do more good for our side. Think about that as a believer, living like the world. Your testimony to others probably does more harm because you claim to be one thing and aren't living like it. Here in this passage in Colossians 3, we are being challenged from the Word of God to put off, to put to death these sins of the flesh. You're hurting yourself and everybody else around you if you claim to be a Christian and yet still live like the world. You're hurting your witness. You're hurting your testimony for Christ. You're hurting your children. You're hurting your fellow church members. Oh, but could I remind you as well, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're not able to experience the full realization of what it means to be alive in Christ if you're still bound by those old grave clothes. It's time to take off the grave clothes. There is such victory in Christ. There is such peace in Christ. There is so much joy with Christ. There is so much comfort with Christ. I was singing a little chorus to my little girl this morning. Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, He'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Rest fully on His promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray. We can live by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. Another song I was thinking about this week. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from the sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry o'er the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside Him, for I know He is the way. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. I'm so thankful to be walking with the Lord. To be walking after the sins of the flesh, though, it is idolatry. It hurts ourselves. It, it hurts others. It's time to take off those grave clothes. Now, this has been my introduction. I want you, you say, well, where's the points? What, what's the big point this morning? Well, I've got three points for you here as we 
wrap up our service here this morning that I think are very important. And we'll see these in verses 9 through 11. First of all, he, he tells us to take off the grave clothes of the dead man. Notice verse 9. He says, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Put off the old man, right? Be alive in Christ and put off his deeds. Put off those remnants of being in sin. Put off the old ways of thinking. Put off the old ways of acting. Put off the old ways of speaking. In fact, in Galatians, I'm sorry, in Colossians 2 20, he says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? You see, if we are alive in Christ, then we ought to be living like we are. Verse 3 of chapter 3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We ought to put off the ways or the deeds of the old man. Number 2, we'll see this in verse number 10. We are to be putting on the robes of righteousness of the new man. Verse 10 says of Colossians 3, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. Put on the new man. You say, well, what does that mean to put on the new man? Well, putting on the new man is something that must be done daily. Something that must be done daily. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. This process of putting on the new man is not just a once-for-all thing, as where salvation is once-for-all, but putting on the new ways of thinking and acting is something that requires daily renewal. And it's something that begins in your mind. You must be renewed in your mind. Romans chapter 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we know this renewal, this putting on the robes of righteousness of the new man, this is a daily process, and this is a process that begins by renewing your mind. But let me take you back to verse 10, because he tells us how to do that in Colossians 3. We know that it's daily, we know that it's something in our mind, but what does it mean to be renewed. What does it mean to put on the robes of righteousness? To put on the new man. He says in verse 10, which is renewed in knowledge. You say, okay, i got to change my mind. Got that. Notice the rest of the verse. After the image of Him that created Him. It's about... Putting off the old ways, those have been listed out for us. So what are the new ways? Next week we'll get into more specifics on that. But generally speaking, he says, renewed in knowledge. What kind of knowledge? What should I be thinking about? What should I be experiencing in my life? He says, the knowledge that's after the image of Him that created Him. Who's the image of Him that created you? That's Jesus Christ. I need to be growing in my knowledge of Him. And that begins, yes, with studying God's Word, that academic knowledge to put it in our mind and to think about it, but it continues as we meditate on that truth. As we take God's Word, we put it in our mind, but we meditate on it. We mull it over. We think about that truth. We then make application to our life because just knowing the truth doesn't change us. It, it takes knowledge that changes the way we think and the way we act. Joshua 1.8 tells us that we are to do right, what God's Word says. In the Great Commission, we have a responsibility to teach others to observe. That means not just to see it with our eyes, but to live it out with our lives. Observe to do all God's Word. Well, that's a long process, isn't it? Some of you know that. If you've accepted Christ, you, you might take stock of your life this morning and see the list of things, these sins that have been talked about. And if you got specific with it, you'd probably all have to admit, there, you know, there's something in this list I, I still struggle with at times. My mouth is not always speaking what it should speak. It's not always 
truthful. My, my mind is not always focused on what it should be focused on. I, I'm not always thinking the way that I ought to think. Even unfortunately with my body, I, I'm sometimes chasing after things to fulfill my own self. That's idolatry. That's why this process is a daily process. It's something that's done every day. Paul the Apostle even said it this way, that he had to die to himself daily. This was an everyday thing. That's why we get up and we spend time in the Word. This is why we get up and we spend time in prayer. This is why we have to commit ourselves to the Lord to follow Him every day. But the great thing is that He gives us the strength to walk in obedience as we'll walk with Him. It's like my children, when they were born, they didn't know how to dress themselves. They didn't know how to take care of all of their needs. But as a parent, you come along and you provide for them. You take care of the things they need to eat and, and helping them get cleaned up and changing their clothes and all those things that they need. But then you're gradually teaching them how to do that for themselves. Now, it doesn't remove the need of the parent in their life. Just like no matter how much we grow spiritually, it doesn't remove the need for God to continue to work in us and change us and provide us because everything that we have comes from Him. But we learn to apply God's Word. We learn to walk in obedience to God's Word. This takes time, it takes effort, and it only comes as we walk in the strength of the Lord as the Holy Spirit does His work in us and through us. But we must submit ourselves to it and allow God to remove those things out of our life, to continue to confess that sin, to continue to purpose in our hearts and, and change our attitudes. Say, God, I want to be what you want me to be. God, change me. I'm ready to take off these grave clothes. I'm ready to live alive in Christ, clothed in righteousness. This is part of what it means to walk worthy of the Lord. And then finally this morning, oh, I, I love this verse. Verse 11 of Colossians 3. This gets us to the wonderful benefits of walking with the Lord. As we put off the old man, as we mortify the deeds of the flesh, as we put on the new man, notice what we have in Christ. Verse 11, if you're at home watching this, read this out loud with me. If you've got your Bible there, Colossians 3.11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Would you say it with me? I have everything that I need in Christ. You have everything that you need in Christ. I have everything that I need in Christ. Oh, He gives us these lists of things. Notice, He in Christ, He removes national distinctions. See, neither Greek nor Jew. See, the Jew called anybody that was outside of, of, of their nationality, they called them all Greeks. And they're all Gentiles, right? In Christ, He removes those differences caused by nationality. We have everything that we need in Christ. Oh, I, I miss this so much and I'm looking forward to it. But on a typical Sunday morning when I look out and see people from different countries and different nations and different uh, native languages all coming together to worship Christ together as one body. Why does this happen? Because in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek. He removes national distinction. Oh, but He also removes religious distinction. That's why he says here in verse 11, circumcision nor uncircumcision. The, the Jews that followed after the ways of the law, they would practice circumcision. But as he's writing to the church at Colossae, Paul's saying God has removed that distinction. See, it doesn't matter what your religious background is. Some people say, well, I had no religion. Other people say, well, I, I came from this particular religion or that particular religion. 
Christ is not calling you to a new religion. He's calling you to a relationship with Him. That's why this idea of putting off things and putting on others, this isn't about some new list of rules and regulation because it's part of a new religion. No, this is about being part of a new family, about having a new relationship. And He says, I want you to live like that relationship is actually real in your life. If you're one of my children, I'm going to dress you a certain way. I'm going to provide for you a certain way. I'm going to give you everything that you need. You're not doing these things to gain my approval. No, you're doing these things because of you are alive in Christ. Take off the grave clothes and, and live like you're truly alive today. Oh, he says he removes national distinction, religious distinction. But if you continue on in verse 11, he, he speaks how he removes even cultural distinction. He mentions the barbarian and the Scythian. See, you were either part of the Roman Empire or you were a barbarian. You were uh, somebody that lived out and away. And, and, and the Scythians, boy, those were the wild, crazy nomads. It says in Christ, it doesn't matter if you come from Roman background, if you were even one of them barbarians. Even a crazy Scythian. Knowing Christ, that's all removed. And then he finishes off, he says, or bond nor free. See, Christ removes national distinctions, religious distinctions, cultural distinctions, and even economic or social distinctions. Have you noticed in our world today, there's a great emphasis put on economic and social distinctions. Why? Because those are the kinds of things that separate. It plays one side off another to say, well, it's not fair. Or, I have too much or I feel guilty about this. I, I wish I had more. Christ takes all that away. Because in Christ, you have everything that you're supposed to have because it all came from Him anyway. So if you don't have very much, I don't have to be jealous of what somebody else has. Boy, my life would be a lot better if it was like them. No, my life is great like it is because it's exactly how God intended for it to be. Well, uh, my, my life would be better if, I, you know, if this had happened differently. Your life is exactly what God wants it to be. And yes, you may have a hard life. And yes, some of the things in your life may be because of bad choices you've made or difficult circumstances that you've gone through. But God can take all those things, good, bad, whatever it is, however we want to classify it. And in Christ, we have everything. He makes us exactly how He wants us to be. He's shaping us. He's conforming us in, in, through the knowledge of the One who created us. He's making us to be more like Jesus Christ. And He wants us to continue to put off those grave clothes, continue to put off those deeds of the flesh, continue to mortify them, put them to death, cut them off. Why? Because we are alive in Christ. Christ is all that we need. You see, Christ brings unity and fulfillment to all that are in Him. I don't need anything else. I just need my relationship with Him. Now, I want to be very straight with you. I don't always live like this. But if you're honest, you know that you don't either. That's why this renewal process is a daily thing that must take place in our lives. You will struggle. You will fail. And you will find yourself still naturally bent to go back to those old ways. But that's not an excuse to stay there. Christ is offering you so much more. To be able to say that He is all and in all, that is a strong statement, isn't it? There is nobody else. There's nothing else. There is no place else that can guarantee you everything that you need. 
other than Christ. And He's promised it all. Would you accept Him this morning? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you call upon Him and ask Him to save you? And if you've done that, would you commit to the Lord and, and ask Him to forgive you? Say, God, help me to continue to renew my mind, to be changed into your image. Work in my heart. Change my life. I want to put away these things. I want to live for you. Christ is all that you need. Won't you come to Him today? Our Father, we thank You for this day and we thank You for this time together to look at Your Word. Lord, I pray that You'd use it in our hearts and lives to change us, to be more like You. Lord, we pray for those today who are hurting, those who are sick, all the workers as they try to take care of those, our, our leaders as they make decisions. Lord, You know what's going on and we trust Your plan to be best. I pray that during this time, You would continue to do a work in our hearts to change us, to be the people that You want us to be. Lord, we thank You for everything that You give us and we trust You today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being with us for this service. I hope that you'll take some time this week as you look in God's Word to ask God, God, what do I need to be putting off? God, what do I need to be putting on? How can I live for you? Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to give, there's instructions on the slides for how you can do that. Go to our website. All the things are there. But... Folks, let's walk with the Lord. Let's trust in Him. God's taking us through this. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, we don't like all of it. Yes, it's uncomfortable. But God is good and God will provide because we have all that we need in Jesus Christ. I hope that you'll join us even tonight. Five o'clock, we'll have our call. There's links in your email. There's links on our Facebook page so that you can join in. Come and join one of our small group Sunday school classes as we continue to study God's Word together, as we fellowship together. If you have any needs, any issues, any questions, please feel free to call me, text me, email the church. We'll make sure we do whatever we can to help you together with us. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.